yeah, you know, school startup, tired, blah. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, same old. First week back from vacay. It's been mm-hmm. a strange week. It just feels like vacation never happened, even though it was so much work and we all got sick. Oh, no. Not COVID. Okay. Yeah, no, we took a million tests. Um, you got vacation sick. Yeah, we just got a cold. No, that's too bad. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's still fun. Go on another vacation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you don't not go on vacation if you can. You do it. Well, it's been like five years since I was on an airplane. Wow. School week was okay? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. You know. Yeah, good enough. Yeah, let's go. We're, we are recording. Yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> It's work. Work is work. Work is work. I was I was talking to somebody the other day about what would you do if there was universal basic income? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I would dig a hole for a living. Like, I wouldn't care. You want me to go work at a grocery store? If I, if I could make what I'm making now, I would happily work at a grocery store, coffee shop, bookstore, toting and hauling, digging trenches, whatever. Sure. That's not exactly what basic income is, though. No, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> okay, you get that. And then because I had that, like, stability there, mm-hmm. then I'd be more willing to, like, follow creative passions or work at jobs that, you know, weren't high, high paying mm-hmm. because I could still afford to, you know, buy pants and live in a house. No, I, j- I absolutely agree. Um, like literally anyone doing any job should make a amount of money yes. that affords dignity and shelter and food yep. and happiness and relaxation and vacation. Yeah. Uh, you should get to take a break. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It's the yes myth of meritocracy. Yeah, and I've I've never felt you know how some people are like, well, I went through the shit, now it's your turn. Like I've never No, it's vicious, it's vindictive. Understood that yeah. mentality. Yeah, like if somebody who works at Dairy Queen can afford to live in a house and go on vacation, mm-hmm. that makes me happy. Good for you, Dairy Queen person. Have at her. Like you you like you said, you should be able to have a life of dignity mm-hmm. with breaks to read books and nap. I don't care. Like I, I, I really wish that we could have those conversations a little more seriously in this country because it's just, well, even, even like basic things, like we were talking about Scotland the other day, John and I, about how in Scotland now or pretty soon or whenever this comes out, female hygiene or you know what, just hygiene products, let's go with that, for folks that have reproductive organs that need them are going to be free. You go to a public bathroom and you need like a tampon or something, it's going to be free and available. And Mm -hmm. I thought, God, yeah, like toilet paper. You go to a public bathroom, there's toilet paper for the most part. I mean, not always. But that's something that, yeah, why the hell aren't we doing that on a larger scale for folks? Oh, the answer is so big and so long. It would be a whole episode. I know. But just, you know, some light topics that I think about as I'm drifting off to sleep, you know. I literally never don't think about this stuff. (laughs) Um it's probably irritating to anyone who knows me. Wait, you know me. <laughs> Is it irritating? I know you and I'm like, yeah. It's basically <laughs> the only stuff I think about. And still haven't figured out how to stop the what feels like slide into regressive beliefs. And I just yeah. like, how do we stop this? It's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Yeah. Specifically in our province. It makes me sad. I just feel like live your life, be good to each other, 
help each other out? Why is that such a controversial topic? Yeah, but the agreement to be good to each other has, uh, has, has changed. It's not that anymore. It's mixed up with so many other things. Do you think it's because people lack empathy or compassion or is it just like, what do you think it is? It has to be some of that, but I think it's, we are a product now of a system designed to make us think in a particular way. Mm-hmm. And that way is to consider certain aspects of society to be at odds with our personal ability to not just succeed, but survive. And mm-hmm. self-preservation has become so necessary that nobody can separate self-preservation from social good anymore, I don't think. A lot of people can't. I'm using hyperbole. Apologies. Uh, I, I try to be more specific when I talk about this sort of concept, but like I grew up in a household that we've talked about this before, like the sort of Christian victimization complex, but like yeah, very much believed that the world was out to get them. We were also poor and as poor people, everyone was making us poor and keeping us down. And there's always someone to blame. And if we got ours, we, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm, applying this too universally to a lot of people, but I feel like there is here at least an inability to care. I don't know. So frustrating. Like I don't know how to make people give a shit about other people. It's I've been reading under the banner of heaven. If you've, Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with it and uh, yeah, there's a lot of moments where throughout the timeline of in this book's perspective, the Mormon faith, there's a lot of like victimhood of like people trying to keep us down. Therefore, I am well within my rights to do whatever the f- I want, including mm-hmm. murdering people or subjugating women and children or people that I just disagree with. And it's it's interesting how victimization can sometimes perpetuate victimization. Like it becomes a part of the culture and I don't think that's a fair thing to say for like for all Mormons. Again, like I not not all people, but like a big part, you know, from reading this book. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're looking at a tool like yeah, religion, it's yeah, yeah. sort of baked into the structure as far as that structure is used by s- certain people to yeah. control others and get what they want out of them, not necessarily from a aspect of faith. I'm trying to be specific. And it's not specific to any one religion. Like all religion mm-hmm. has that kind of undertone to to an extent. Sure. Like there are It's a it's a power structure. And yeah. power structures are inherently made to control and subjugate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the concept of believing in something isn't isn't where the the issue goes wrong. The the belief in a god or a higher power uh yeah, it's it's the structure used as a tool to manipulate and control people. Mm-hmm. Um, for the benefit of a select group. And it's money, it's politics, it's religion. Yeah. It's, you know, social status, gender, manners. I got into it with a, a uh, an acquaintance friend recently just in sort of the structure of manners as, as a racist structure in order to police mm. the behaviors of other people and, and, yeah, give more reasons to subjugate and, and treat people poorly. It's it's just fascinating. You know, it's so interesting you say that. I, I finished reading uh, "Nice Racism" by uh, Robin. Oh my gosh, I can never I can never remember her last name. Uh, D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo, and 
one of the parts of the book, however you feel about it, whatever, but one part of the book was um, about a smile isn't just a smile when it comes to white folks and folks of color or from historically marginalized groups. Because if you smile back, like, you know, in the in the olden days, which you know still kind of are happening in parts of America, if a white person smiled at a person of color and that person of color smiled back at them, it could be this whole, it, it could put that person in danger mm. because like, oh, so you're flirting with a white person now. Like it, and so I never even thought of that about how when you smile, it's about a control of like, aren't I being nice to you? Mm-hmm. And if you don't return my smile, then like, I'm hard done by, and it's constantly looking for that. And if you do return it, you're fucked too, because it was never about that. Yeah. And I never, like, it's, it's super complex. And I was like, God, I don't know. Do I not smile at people? Like, I, I don't know if I'm walking on a path alone and a person passes by me, it's my like nature to just be like, hello. And I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. And now I have this like moment in my head where I'm like, do I say something? Do I smile? Do I just look at the ground? I don't want to be rude. And it's interesting because the dynamic when you're out hiking is you say hi to people. If you're on a trail, you say hello. Yeah. You make eye contact. You say hello. You let them know you're there. You chat for a couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got the time, but like you're supposed to acknowledge the other person on the path, let them know you're a, you know, another person who's out there enjoying nature, not a, not a weirdo on the trail. I always thought of it as a safety thing, right? Like if you're out on a trail and someone passes me, then I'm always like, okay, some, if I die on this mountain, someone saw me. Yeah. So interesting. Like they've acknowledged my existence and yeah, maybe they'll remember me if the posters go up. (laughs) Yeah. If they're like bear seen by this woman, then they'd be like, Hey, wait a minute. I saw that woman with that bear. <laughs> There's been many times where I've been hiking and because I've said like, you know, stopped and had a chit chat, people have said, you know, just so be cautious. There's bear scat. I saw some scratches, blah, blah, blah. And it is, it is a safety thing in that context, but uh, it's just, it's super, super complicated. Right. And the flip side of that, that I wanted to mention was like, and then in the city, I go out of my way not to look at people in a way that could appear threatening. I am a Mm. six foot one, you know, 230 pound man. Like I am a white male on the street. I am a threat to many, many people. And as soon as I realized (laughs) that I tried to be very cognizant of how I move and approach people. Um, because in some situations, a smile could be reassuring to somebody and others, it could feel threatening. Totally. Um, I try to move on sidewalks if it feels like somebody might interpret me being behind them, even a block or whatever, as being a following situation, I try to yeah. de-escalate that threat by moving, going off a different sidewalk, taking another block home or something. Yeah. Oh, totally. And when I became aware of that, it was so interesting. Like, I say interesting way too much, but what I mean is like suddenly becoming cognizant of your role as a physical entity in society and the impact you have as a particular type of person is is interesting as a threat it's yeah like if you woke up and realized you're a shark and everyone was a fish (laughs) and like you're like i'm not gonna bite you fish but like you still have to understand that you're a shark to many people and and yeah i don't know if this is a good analogy or not but like pretty it's a pretty good one they see me as that whether i think i'm that or not you know it's kind of like on finding nemo even though there's good sharks out there you don't know which one is the good (laughs) shark yeah not a mindless eating machine. If I am to change this image, I must first change myself. Fish are friends, not food. Well, and yeah, and if you want to take that a step further, at some point Bruce snaps anyhow, despite all his best intentions. So 
fuck? Like, are, is is any white dude walking down the street safe? <laughs> and, and so that's uh, something that's on my mind. I try to be aware of how I impact the other people around me when I'm moving. Yeah, uh, or in spaces. When John lived downtown, he he told me a few times that he'd be walking on the street, like coming home from getting groceries on like a Sunday night or something. And if there was a single woman walking ahead of him, he would go out of his way to like cross the street. Yeah, definitely. Really make sure that like she knew he was there. And then on times where I've been out walking, there was one time I can think of specifically where I did have my headphones in, but I always have them low so I can hear because like, you know. Yeah, because you're out on the street and everything could be a shark. (laughs) Exactly. And I heard this guy walking. He wasn't on a bike or on a skateboard or anything, but he yelled, I'm coming up behind you on your left. And then he just really like, he like sped walk, walked around me and then like bust. And maybe that was part of his routine, but I appreciated the hell out of that. I was like, thank you, sir. That was very kind of you to just be like, I mean, that is biking, running etiquette. Yeah. To on your left people when you pass, but right. But he was just like, he looked like he was just out for a stroll, but then saw me on a path and just thought like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a point of really busting it around her because I could see him farther ahead and his pace did slow. So I was just like, Mm. you know what? Thank you. He just ran out of breath. (laughs) (laughs) He was just trying to impress you actually it turned out. Do you do that when you run? Like when I see people and I'm out jogging, I'm like, oh, we're just, oh, I'm still running, not stopping. And then as soon as I'm around the corner, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I don't do that because I don't run outside. I don't want any (laughs) other human being to see me run. So I do it in the darkness of of my house on a treadmill. (laughs) While watching Lord of the Rings. I want people to suffer with me. Make eye contact with them when I run by. Okay, on the other hand, though, I like we're completely off topic now, but this one time we were walking, Fiona, and I think it was our kid and, and me, and we were just out for a stroll in one of our city's parks, and this guy is running. Not abnormal that he's running, but he is breathing like this. <laughs> Uh, yeah and i'm just like like i'm not being hyperbolic with that that was literally the the breathing he was doing i was like are you fucking mad at something like i get it running isn't fun sometimes but you don't like who are you mad at are you angry i don't like that's scary dude i would be concerned like are you having an asthma attack sir do you need me to call someone do i step in yeah yeah. are you good it was so wild (laughs) and like he just nothing about him seemed like he was showboating or trying to like that's just how he is. He looked angry and he was breathing angry. And it, maybe he just had some shit to work out. I don't know, but it just kept going. There are people that do that. There's angry workout people that like grunt angrily and like, bah! like, yeah. and if that's what happens to you, I mean, okay. No, start it running at home. Sh- don't do that. <laughs> don't put that on other people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is now a good time to talk about how religion... Um, has crossed over into my new most favorite game of all time. Yes. Yeah. I'm always on board to talk about religion, but uh, if we're talking specifically about the game we both got into this week, Cult yes. of the Lamb, let's, let's, take, let's take a couple of minutes to chat on that before we get into our, our very clear topic that everyone can probably already guess. I am in love with this game. I think it is both like, there's elements of it that are beautiful. There's elements of it that are hilarious. There are elements of it that are like, a little awkward because they ring so true. And the more, like I was, I explained it to John when I was playing it and he said, man, that's really, it's hitting kind of close to home, like the doctrines and you can pit your care. Anyway, Ben, do you want to explain what the game is for those that aren't aware? Uh, The game is called Cult of the Lamb. It is, it's a roguelike um, with some town building farm farm simulation a little bit. (laughs) There's, There's a town building element to it that gets you powers and stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, the big crux of it is that in theory, you're running a cult, um, but that cult to anybody who's grown up in a sort of organized religion with dogma and, and pageantry will find it very familiar. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, you start off as this little lamb getting murdered by these old gods to try to stop you from ascending to this place of power that you're foretold to. And then it's it's all about developing your cult, uh-huh. indoctrinating followers, campfire rituals. I went to Christian camp as a kid. Like, like it's very close to home. <laughs> Was it bringing close? <laughs> I mean, it's one of my epiphany moments in religion for me at that camp where I would, at one point I realized they spend a lot of time whipping us into a fervor with emotional stories and like mm. songs. Yeah. And then when that's done, they ask us all to make a pledge to God for the rest of our lives about how we won't commit sins or do drugs or like have premarital sex, but they wait until we've been whipped into an emotional fervor using like techniques that you would find in brainwashing. And it's just like, Oh shit. And I was 14 when I hit that. I was like, they get us all worked up and then we'll just say whatever they want us to say. And I'm like, yeah, I I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) Seeing those, those, I don't know what you want to call it. the, The, like, the tape holding things together. Yeah. So Cult yeah. of the Lamb is fun though. Like uh, you want to sacrifice another animal so that you can get points. <laughs> and you can pit your followers against each other a little bit. You can be good. You can be a little evil. You could be super evil. If people, you can rule by kindness or you can rule by fear. Like you can, yeah, you can sacrifice people. You can imprison them. You can chastise them yeah and even the kindness though uh branch of things is pretty insidious and evil oh super insidious it's just uh it's got all that (laughs) the the trappings of a a modern day religion it reminds me of if you were to take an episode of south park the christmas critter episode where it's these really cute cartoon animals that are actually acolytes of satan and then cross it over into another like the witch or some type of horror movie like that it's just like such a weird little world juxtaposition yeah Yeah. but it is so cool the mashup of satanist stuff with uh very cute animals and lots of like pagan pageantry that i find really like it is like i say like my favorite movie maybe of all time is the craft and that whole 90s witch Mm. I don't know. Aesthetic. Yeah, really like it does it for me. So this game I find beautiful, super fun. I'm glad fun. we both got into it at the same time. It's been a blast. I love it. Yeah. I've been playing it nonstop. Like every chance I get, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to spend five minutes and then I'll just got to indoctrinate a new follower. So <laughs> yeah, great game. I restarted already. Oh, really? Did you finish it and you're like ready for round two? No, no. I laid out some things incorrectly and I'm like, this isn't how I want things <sighs> to go. I had somebody grumpy at me already spreading dissent among my followers. And I'm like, I can't even put you in stocks yet. I don't know how to murder you. So I'm just going to restart. <laughs> I'm playing it through on the E. I have like a, a process. I go through easy. I put shit wherever. Round two, play it on medium, start to plan things out. So by, by the time you get to like the harder levels oh, or the harder playthrough, I've got a real good idea about where I want things to go. Speaking of putting shit on everything, I like that you literally pick up the excrement of your followers and use it to, to fertilize your crops. Or feed it to them. And uh, that's probably as good a place as any to jump into our <laughs> into our theme song and, uh, and get us to our topic for tonight, which is going to be uh, Return to Stardork Valley. Here's the theme song. Oh, 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 oh,
Welcome back. This is Dork Matters. I'm your dad dork, Ben Rankel, and with me every time we do this is <laughs> Lexi Hunt, our resident. Uh, I'm just going to give you a title from now on. You are the. Do it. Not Dr. Dork. That doesn't sound right. Um, the Edu Dorker. The Ed Dork. Ed Dorker. Adorkator, adorkator. There we go. Ed- hey, there you go. We got there. We got there. You're edu- your educating <laughs> dork. That doesn't matter. Yeah. You're educating dork, Lexi Hunt. <laughs> and we're talking about Stardew Valley again. We're, we're back. Yes. It's been a year. It's been a year. It's been a long road. Yeah, from there to here. There you go. It's been a long road. My time is finally near. Wow. No? Okay. That was very good. I'm very impressed. It's the Enterprise theme. Yep. In two different keys. Yeah, we're going to... We should do a karaoke episode. <laughs> God, no. Accompanied with this episode is going to be uh, a release of a nearly unlistenable episode. Uh, it was our first attempt to revisit Stardew Valley. We came up with this idea where we were going to, every year, if we keep this thing going, we are going to do an episode about Stardew Valley on the on the anniversary of our show. Yeah. Uh, so we took a, a, a go at that. It didn't go great. It devolved into Lexi and I drinking soda and seeing who could burp the loudest <laughs> and the longest. Uh, it is nearly unfucking listenable. Uh, Poor Jess. We ran it past our producer. She said, I don't advocate for throwing out any content, um, but maybe do this as a part B. <laughs> so we will have another episode of whatever the hell that, that turned out to be. Um, mm-hmm coming out with this one, but we're, we're taking another stab at Stardew Valley. We've got some other topics yeah. we want to go over. And so we're calling this return to Stardew Valley. Take two. Snap. 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 What the little clapper cards. Snap, like what are those little, called? That are thing. they called a clapper card? A clapper card. I think it's a clapper. A clapper. The clapper. Lights on. Lights off. off. The clapper. That's a that's some nineties. Well, if you yeah. remember that, Oof. you're old. Welcome, friends. You are one of us. <laughs> you're, you're in the right place if you remember that commercial. Yeah. Cla- no, it was clap, clap on. on. Yeah, clap it was clap off. on. The clapper. Not like Now we on. just have Siri. Ugh. Siri, turn off the lights. Or whatever. What's the I don't let Siri take control of that. That's a little more control that I'm willing to give Siri or Alexa or whoever. Mm, Alexa, that's the other one. It is very creepy, but they're always listening. I'm also lazy. But I don't believe they, they are. weren't listening before you gave them permission to listen anyhow. So Oh come on. I mean, the number of times I've talked about something and then the next time I open Instagram. Yeah. And oh, there's a commercial. Yeah. For the nose hair trimmer that you mentioned. Oh God. I just got a new one. I don't know how my old one broke. It's a weird thing as you get older. You suddenly have hair that doesn't stop growing. You just need to trim stuff. It cl- crawls under your shoulders, out your nose. And all of a sudden, too, it's just there. It's not like you're like, it's oh, just there. Something's, something's coming up. It's just all of a something's sudden. Co- no, it's just it's not like puberty where oh. you're like, oh, I feel some changes coming <laughs> on. This is just you wake up one morning, you're like, oh, some hair fell out on my sh-. No, that just That's lives it, there. there. That yeah. grows there. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. When the light hits you a certain way, like if you turn your head in front of an open window and then you can see like Cthulhu coming out of your nose. Yeah, that's the, it's disgusting. And it's important to have a partner who cares about you enough to be like, that's gross. You need to go deal with that. That's true love, yeah. folks. True yes. love. Yeah. That's it. I don't think we should take any shame yeah. in body hair, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I personally no, don't want my good. body hair uh, 
to be out of my personal taste or control, but if that's your thing, swing. Go for it. Stardew Valley, yeah, uh, you it. can choose your hair color. Stardew Valley. Yes, that, that great theme song for Stardew Valley that you started singing. Please keep going. Stardew Valley, dig it in the dirt. Yeah, that's what it's all about. All done. No, yeah, is that, not, is that not the song? Summed it up in one little jingle. The commercial comes on. Breaking hearts, fishing fish. Fishing fish. Trying to get home at night. <laughs> You're not going to make it. <laughs> the stress of not being able to go faster is real. We talked about this our first time we yes. did Stardew Valley when I learned yeah. there was a, a fucking horse I could have been riding. Horse. Somehow after 500 <laughs> plus hours of playing this game <laughs> and I'd never built the goddamn stable. Yeah. It's uh, but even still, the number of times that I still passed out with the horse. Sometimes I mean. you just make a choice. You're like, it's cheaper yeah, for me to just pass out and collect this last couple of gems in this in this level of the dungeon than than to try to hoof my ass home. Yeah, I I love the idea that I could just fall asleep anywhere and wake up the next morning with like a terse little letter from someone being like, take better care of yourself. Anyway, I took a couple pumpkin pies. Just like in real life. Yeah, does that not happen in real life? <laughs> it absolutely does. I've passed out many times and been returned safely. Minus a couple things out of your pouch. Yeah, the taxi, the taxi cost. Yeah. And my axe. <laughs> One of your gems. Your void egg is gone. Yeah, one of my gems fell out. Your void egg mayonnaise <laughs> fell out. We are not going random. We had some things that no. both of us wanted to talk about this time. So let's mm-hmm. roll. What should we get into first? Um, I want to talk about mods for Stardew Valley. Mods? Yes. All right. Now, I have played it on Switch and on PC. And I'm always hesitant about the mods or the creative content or whatever you want to call it. And I'm the same way with Sims. I see it online. I look at the Reddit accounts of people talking about, this is my beautiful, like, look at what I've done. And the community center is gorgeous and the trees in fall. So we're talking mods. We're talking about user-generated content that somehow plays into the game. Yeah, just to make the characters look a little more lifelike or to kind of... Do you have to go into, like, the files and, like, grab pixel art and drop it in and stuff like that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's... A part of me, I think the artistry of it is amazing to see what people have done and how Pelican Town really evolves into this very quaint, beautiful place, depending on what you decide to do with it. But a part of me is just so scared of rule breaking that I'm like, I don't know. That seems like it's not okay. And I don't want Eric to be mad at us. But I don't know. What do you think? Now, generally, my understanding is that Eric has been supportive of the mod community. Has he? Oh, I did not know that. That's great. Uh, I mean, we can Google it. I don't know. Because yeah. I'm not sure if you follow the drama around Sims 4, Ben. But there was a lot of hoopity hoop in the past couple months about updates to the Sims community and how it was going to cause issues with a lot of the downloadable creative content that people create for mods for Sims. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like a little bit of a a war between the developers and then the independent people that do it as a hobby, especially because those folks charge people for the content. So it's a whole other level to the gameplay, especially, yeah, any type of simulation gameplay. It gets really squidgy once you have that in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm unsure. I can't find anything that backs up the stuff I said about Mm. him supporting the mod community. Um, I don't play with mods. I don't want mods. I don't want to go through the hassle of Mm -hmm. installing them, dropping them into files. Don't want to run the risk of a corrupted file. Yep. 
uh, I like to play the games the way they were made. Fair enough. It's just who I am. I ain't got time for that shit either. <laughs> I ain't got time to go around altering games. There's a lot of mucking around. Especially games that I'm already enjoying the hell out of. Why? Why? Why would I do that? So I don't fuck around with mods. Did you try some of them? No, because I'm scared <laughs> of breaking rules. But there's there's a few that I think are really beautiful, and I I'm a very like I like a good aesthetic, and so the ones that make the town look pretty. I always appreciate that. I like that. I like the way you pronounce that. Aesthetic. Pretty. Aesthetic. Aesthetic. It's, this is my Aesthetic. ASMR. Aesthetics. Aesthetic. Um, I do wish that people would add more characters. I want Pelican Town to grow with refugees mm-hmm. from the war and have new folks come to Pelican Town either for tourism. Because if you play, I know that you don't play my time in Portia, but that's something as you develop the city or the town of Portia, more and more visitors start to come to the town and some of them you can talk to and they're just, you know, NPCs that kind of walk around and some, like some of them actually progress the story. And I thought that was a really interesting element and kind of thought that would be cool. If- yeah. I think for the mod community, it would require a lot more work to like insert a, a new character NPC into the game. I don't really know how any of that works. Take dream big. Probably couldn't do it, but that's a good point. So neither of us use mods. No. Don't really care about them. Good. I'm glad we talked about them. <laughs> Check. Next. Check. <laughs> Fuck mods. Let's move on. Okay. Did you get a chance to read that book that I, I, I recommended? Um, I actually I just got it from the library, so I haven't had a chance to crack it yet. But could you? Uh, I, I, I love the premise of it. Do you want to explain it? Yeah. Okay. This is going to take a little bit of work to get to the topic that I want to talk about, which is Amber, Amber Hagman, <laughs> Eric Barone's partner. Um, I was trying to do some background research on Eric Barone, just like looking up some more information. We wanted to dive a little bit deeper into sort of the process and and the man himself with this episode of Stardew. And I learned about her from a series of tweets by somebody uh, named Caroline Jong, uh, CK Jong, at CK Jong on Twitter. Just going to pull those up because trying to remember how to give a summary of something is nearly impossible for me. Mm-hmm. So I came across this thread on Twitter from from user CK Jong. Just finished reading the story about Stardew Valley's development in Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and holy shit, that game could not have been made without Amber Hagman, who spent years supporting Eric Barone while he worked full time on the game. So that took me. There's more to that thread, and uh, we'll link it in the show notes. But that took me on to trying to find out more about Amber Hagman and her role. And the only place I could really find it was in uh, Jason Shire's book, which is called Blood, Sweat and pixels if you know that name he is a podcaster and uh writer video games journalist well known he was with kotaku for a long time and now i believe is with wall street journal or washington post i'm blanking but um always been a fan of their writing but mm-hmm. their segment in this book about stardew valley takes on a framing of initially of, of like sort of a timeline of like how stardew got made but it places Amber Hagman as basically his only financial support for five years while going to college herself and then grad school after that and working, it sounds like, two or more part-time jobs while in school. And during those five years, Eric Barone brought in no no cash of his own, none. So it was just a, a fascinating structure there. And then uh, that same Twitter thread that I started talking about here uh, uh-huh. gets into the idea of sort of exploitation um, specifically like, you know, she, I don't know if she owns a game, but it's, it's suggested she doesn't. 
Uh-huh. And so the system is set up like, you know, to reward the person who made the thing, but not the person who financially supported the other person during that. And so they suggest that this could be a situation of exploitation uh, in the industry and also criticizes the book itself for not necessarily interrogating that concept, but just sort of, in their opinion, approaching this financial support and this, you know, emotional labor and household support uh-huh. as just part of the, you know, game making process the plucky the plucky game making process and i found that interesting it's uh oh that's interesting it's something that i have a very interest a very personal interest in myself so yeah it's very very interesting working those jobs while supporting him um and and at one point there's a quote from eric Barone where he talks about like some days she would go to work he'd kiss her goodbye and he'd just dick around for a day because he just couldn't he couldn't handle the idea of dealing with Stardew Valley. And like that itself is, I don't know if it's necessarily what you call gaslighting or not, or just like yeah, how you'd frame uh-huh. that, but it could be, it could be seen as a very big negative lying to your partner saying that you're working when you're not while they are taking on the load of, of, of a home. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's so tough to make a judgment or a call about that unless the two of them have kind of made a claim about it because I think sometimes you, you believe so deeply in what your partner is doing that you're like, I'm a hundred percent there for you. I, I want to do this, mm-hmm. but I do agree that like the optics of it, like if aren't super great that she doesn't have a cut of that pie, I find a little bit. I'm unsure. I couldn't find any information that we know of. Yeah. Whether she yeah. owns, owns part of the game or not. Like, is that not like a financial investment in the production of the game? Are you not like a co-owner? I would really be interested in knowing what her stake in Stardew Valley is, like officially what she what she can take to the bank, so to speak. Legally, if they were to, like, I'm assuming that they're common law partners because if they're still together and they've been living together this whole time, yeah. in the eyes of the law, you're common law, you're married. And so were they to split ways, she would be able to. It's not always that cut and dry from what I understand, though. And it, and it varies by state. Uh, it, it, at least it starts the conversation. Uh, yeah, especially in American law, I'm sure it's very different yeah. in other countries. I know it's very different, but in Canada it is. Yeah, you can make the claim. You could make the claim yeah. of it in a court case. It, hopefully it would, never, it would never come to that. But I do, I, it's, it's that trope of... The supportive partner helping right. the creative type become famous in their field, and then the, the now famous partner dropping them for, yeah. you know, version two. As far as I know, they're still together. Which is great, and you hope, like, I always hope for success for people, so that's awesome. Hope that continues to work out well for them. But it is something that I think about in the arts in general, because I do know several folks who are practicing artists, sculptors, jewelers, painters, etc., and their partner has like they work construction. They are like they have like a job kind of thing in, in comparison. And when they talk about like I am a self-made artist and da da da, a part of me is like, well, mm-hmm. yes, you work very, 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 very hard. But in those lean years, I just sometimes I just wonder how reflective people are when they make comments about that. It's like saying. I'm the only one who has ever worked hard. And then meanwhile, <laughs> the spouse is in the background, like just finished the dishes, made dinner, mowed the lawn. Yeah, taking care. <laughs> well, like, and that was one of the points in this thread that was made is that the, uh, you know, the domestic labor, the emotional labor, all, 
often ends up on the on the head of the person that is also doing the financial stuff when <laughs> yeah. it, on the head of the person who is not solely focused on one task day in day out yeah um it's it's a thing that is i think worth worth talking about and trying to get like uh-huh. i don't know how to get answers about this unless we want to call them up if... and ask them but i think it's it's worth asking some questions about it and but it also and talking speaks about speaks to that level of fame or notoriety that now this dude who started Stardew Valley is basically like a practice and programming after he graduated school Yeah, became this thing. I'm, I'm sure he didn't fully expect it was going to become this like cultural phenomenon. And now people are <laughs> sitting in their closets and basements speculating about his relationships, but it is, it's a, I'm so curious about it, but I think you're right. We'll we probably will never have an answer to it. I just think that it is a very common relationship dynamic in creative pairings. Is it just in creative pairings or is it often in uh, the the sort of archetypical male-female relationship dynamic? Mm, I, I think it depends on your bubble because mm-hmm. I would say within my little bubble, it's, it's fairly equal from what I see and experience. But I know other folks would disagree with me on that. And maybe it's not creative types. Maybe it's just like successful folks. Because I know people Mm -hmm. that work in, let's say, oil and gas, and their spouse is a stay-at-home parent or kind of deals with all of the day-to-day so that they can just 150% do job. They don't worry about kids. They don't worry about house. They don't worry about planning vacations, getting groceries, none of that shit. Their job is to work and bring home money. Mm-hmm. And that if that works for them, like aces, good for you. But maybe, so I take it back. Maybe it's not the creative, it's the successful, driven archetype. And what does that, you know, what does that other person have at the end of the day when the finger quote successful person decides that they've done it all on their own and and moves on? Oh. You know? Yeah. Well, and I know people that that's yeah. happened to where spouse has been like, you know what? I'm not happy with you anymore. You're fat, you're grouchy, moving on. And I do know, unfortunately, they're, they're all women that basically are left when destitute. They went from having houses that, you know, some folks in the world would say are mansions to living in like a one room apartment like a one bedroom apartment with their kids because hubby took everything and off with a brand new Mm -hmm. spouse or partner and they had to start from zero and i know that's happened to quite a few people recently where their partners yeah hit like 50 and were just like i don't want to live this life anymore bye and just decided to like i don't want anything to do with the kids i don't want the responsibility of caring for a family I want my money and I want to go do fun stuff. And it's basically like, I've talked to several people that are like, do you have an extra bed that they could have? Because they now have nothing. Yeah. And it's, it's super unfortunate. Yeah. I want to know if, if Amber Hagman owns Stardew Valley, does she have a stake in it? Like <laughs> she, she deserves it. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. From my own experience, I could not have done my graphic novel if my partner had not supported me. And for, Half of that time that I was working on that, I had my own job and wasn't really being able, wasn't able to manage mm-hmm. both, and, both, and so I left. And my partner supported me financially while I pursued artistic mm-hmm. 
you know, <laughs> the thing I completed did not become Stardew Valley. <laughs> we did not make a financial windfall. It's interesting because in other parts of our, our relationship, I have supported my partner yeah. while they have, they've done their creative endeavors. And now they continue to pursue that work. And I have set that stuff aside for now mm-hmm. to deal with the home and family as much as I'm, I'm possible, as much as I I'm capable of, yeah. which is some days very little. Well, um, and that's a good point though. Like what you've said there about the inability to fully work on something in a creative context when you are working yeah, a nine to five, like I got to say, I've been working on the same project for over a year now. And I feel like I am snail pace oh my god Mm -hmm. it's so slow because when you do have your free time and you're like okay i gotta go work i have i'm so tired (laughs) i'm so tired and i just want to watch tv yeah you have a job you are part of a society that (laughs) grinds people up and then spits them out and then you go home and you're supposed to you know work on be creative yeah yeah be creative and not like how do you go into work the next day if you have not had enough time to decompress like recalibrate literally just calm your brain down so that you can emotionally and physically handle one more day of the grind i remember when i was like 20 i want to say i was 22 i had what could probably be called a temper tantrum to my mother because it was around the time that i know i was 23 because i needed glasses um and i was (laughs) i was broke right like i was trying to be an artist and so i was working three jobs and trying to have an art practice and I needed glasses and I needed to go to my mom to basically be like, help me. <laughs> and she made a comment about like, is this what we're going to do for life? Like, are you going to be able to take care of yourself this way? And I got really pissy with her because I said, this is bullshit that I'm expected to work. At that time I was working like a five hour shift and then an eight hour shift or vice versa. And then on evenings and weekends, I would teach art uh, for the city. And I was like, so I'm working eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hour days sometimes that I'm trying to work on my art practice. Also, I'm supposed to get groceries, clean my house, pay my bills, exercise, mm-hmm. have a social life, volunteer. What else am I missing? And I was just like, this is ridiculous. No one can do this. This is obscene. And she was just like, welcome to being a grown up toots. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, but I hope you threw back at her. Like, but when you bought your house, it cost you $25,000. Yes. And the disparity between your earned wage and the cost of living was not the gigantic chasmus gap it is now because it is really easy oh, yeah. for people to be like, that's adulting and not appreciate the chasm that has grown. But it's also a different era, right? Like, and my mom now would. Hundred percent agree, mm-hmm. but because lately she talked to because she was a principal and an educator my entire life basically, and she said back in the day when she started teaching and close to about the time she retired, the like that that was your lifestyle. That yeah, you went to school and you taught a full day, and then you went home and got the kids and came back with the kids for basketball, and like everybody did it. And she said that was just how life was then. Plus, you had typically a, a one person working, one person staying at home, or because things were so much cheaper back then, mm-hmm. more of an income to pay for childcare because it wasn't like a thousand dollars a month per kid. Mm-hmm. And so she said it was just what you did and it was expected and it was a part of life. Now, absolutely not. Like that's impossible to Yeah, and that's the thing I want people who come down on millennials. I'm not 
I'm not gonna say the B. I'm gonna say the B word, boomers specifically. But like, not all, not all boomers. Hashtag not all boomers. Not all boomers. If you cannot apply your experience, my dad had no job when he bought his house in the city we live in. <laughs> he got a mortgage and he didn't have a fucking job. I had a job for seven years and couldn't like couldn't get a mortgage. <laughs> And I'm paying rent that costs more than a mortgage would have. Yeah. Like, that is not the same situation that people came up in that are telling us, well, that's just adults. That's how adults do it. It's not. Like, we're at a place where financially most people can't afford to have kids that we know because. Yeah. yeah. And so this all comes back to the idea of meritocracy as well, which is that everybody is fucking working hard. The person at McDonald's works hard. The person picking up bottles in your yeah. alley is working fucking hard. Uh, so who deserves to yeah. to live and, and have success or, or comfort? And yeah, the idea that you don't have the same financial success as other people because you haven't worked hard, I think is something that is sort of a gaslight to society in order to, to, to make you think it's your own fault that, you know, you just haven't worked hard enough to create yeah. guilt so that you don't... You're lazy. So yeah. that you don't riot. <laughs> so that you, you don't torch town <laughs> or force your government to actually apply taxes and, and redistribution in a way that makes sense to support a society that is currently being exploited for, for its labor, for the benefit of a, a few oligarchs. <laughs> yeah, there's no other word for it. But it, but that comes back to, I know a lot of people make the joke about the, that's the popularity of Stardew Valley is that where else would a, per, a millennial yeah, yeah. be able to afford to own their own farm yeah. and do something that they're passionate about, which in this case is farming or fishing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I know, ha, 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 memes, 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 but like, it's kind of true. No, it's part of the appeal for sure. Right? And, and we're back at, at basic income again. Yeah. Your mom is questioning you. I'm not trying to turn your mom into a villain <laughs> here. Uh, nor Eric Barone either. No, I oh mean, God, no. It's just, it's the question of balance and what's fair and equal balance but also why should you not be able to pursue Mm -hmm. art why is that valued so poorly in society (laughs) why is that a thing where if you choose to not be a lawyer doctor etc like apparently there's only three jobs and yeah and those three jobs are the only ones that anybody should be able to have a a comfortable lifestyle don't even get me so part of my job is working with young people on understanding career. And that's like the the engineer, doctor, lawyer, or just like doctor, lawyer, nurse, I would say is another big one. Drives me up the friggin' wall because then I'll just be like, what type of engineer? And people, you can just see these kids are like, there's a type. And it just... Like, what do you want out of life? Like, do you want to work outside? Do you want to work inside? Do you want to work with your hands? Or do you want to think? Like, did you know what what that was when you were sixteen? Because <laughs> I sure as fuck didn't. No, and no one had that conversation, right? And that's why we're trying to have these conversations. Well, sure. No, I'm just getting into like work mode. That's why we're trying to have, yeah. <laughs> have those conversations with young people. Like, what do you want out of your life, and what do you want yeah. your career to give you? And it's so funny because I kind of a crappy week at work, a friend of mine said, you should give your speech to yourself. Yeah. What do you want your career to give you? And now use that kind of yeah. wish list to forge your next steps. 
Because do you want to work a 14-hour day and then go home and be tired and eat leftovers over the sink before going to bed and then waking up at 5 a.m. and starting all over again? Monday. Right? (laughs) Or do you want something else? (laughs) Yeah, my, my question was more like, if somebody had tried to get me to think about that stuff at 16, I could not have done no, that. No, absolutely. And is that, so if we don't get there till 36 or whatever, yeah. like, why should that be a punitive situation? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't start your career path when you were 15 and still trying to decide whether or not you were going to have sex for the first yeah. time. <laughs> or, you know, if it was gross to kiss boys still, or like trying to do an Ollie <laughs> and Tony Hawk, you know, pro skater. Like, What was your biggest concern when you were 15? For me, not to get too real, but it was the screaming and abuse that I was dealing with in my house. <laughs> like, okay, that's a very real, yeah. I that's... was trying to avoid getting hit or screamed at on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, and also <laughs> get enough money so that I could go to school and not be singled out for being the kid that was wearing Zeller's hand me downs. Like, you think, like, uh, uh, the idea of planning a, a career was a luxury that was so far beyond my mental capacity. But if you if your high school and your junior high had more programs where they would say like this is a part of your academic programming where we're going to send you for a week to explore a trade, an art, an academic yeah. or whatever and now you have a better understanding to make your career choices later on do you think you maybe would have made different choices? I, I honestly don't know. I It's hard to say, hey? As a person who has often said that I don't think I was a fully formed adult with like any sort of objective sentience until I was 25, like, no. I feel like I was an amoeba <laughs> up until like 25 or like a, like a, like a caterpillar. And like I didn't hit I mean... a place where I could <laughs> objectively look at my own situation or have uh, self-actualization or was, what, what are the other good words for, for that? Yeah, no, that's good. You know, like I didn't know I existed. I feel that way too. I feel like I just kind of reached maturity maybe like three <laughs> weeks ago where I finally was like, I know who I am, God damn it. <laughs> and it, because you figure out who you are and then you're scared to tell people mm. because you don't want to like push back and have conflict, especially because I don't know, um, like I, I was kind of, my early 20s taught me that you can't piss people off because they're dangerous. So I spent so much of my adult time trying to avoid conflict because, right, like, I think it's a, especially like a young woman, people that identify as female thing that like you're, you're trained to not piss off, especially men because they're dangerous. And so that type of overarching theme waters down into everything else that you do where you're like, no, I'll, I'll just do this job that I don't really care about or like, and it's fine. I'll just do this until I die. It's, it's cool. It's cool. And then you're like, oh, it's because I'm so afraid of conflict because I've been taught to avoid conflict at all costs because it's dangerous Yeah. that now I'm living a life I was not expecting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hypersensitivity for me was exactly that. It was a, uh, a tool to protect yourself, to read situations that could turn bad and try to manage those outcomes so that they did not go in the negative way. Uh, that they could. My early 20s were learning that I did not have to be under that anymore if I didn't want to be as a separate Uh entity who had left home. I didn't have to put up with that. And also that I could be a human being that I wanted to be. Uh, I just didn't figure out who the hell that was or what that meant. Interrogating beliefs that I've been told I believed for 
my entire life up until I was like, wait, I don't think I believe that. Well, and that's like the beauty of video games. I find you get to live out your dream life or different scenarios in a very safe way. And so being the farmer Mm -hmm. for some folks, I think and you read it all the time online of the people that are like, (laughs) I'm going through something rough. I'm going to start a new save of Stardew Valley. And we've talked about that that it helps you to kind of process things and just return to a place that's like safe. You know what to expect. You get what you want out of it and you can live the life however you want. You want to date every single dateable villager, get them all pissed off at you. You can wipe their memories clean. No worries. Start over, whatever. Or live with it. Yeah. The process is safe. Man, we really went off. Yeah, we did. We really went off on a on a ride there. Um, yeah, I mean that is Stardew Valley video games to me are about leaving my brain, mm-hmm. um, not oh, yeah. thinking for a while. As I told a psychiatrist this week, <laughs> it's having an out of body experience if possible. <laughs> oh, so so disassociating. Yeah. It's, and it's what I love about them. Uh, it's it's this thing isn't dealing with all the other stuff that I can't handle. It's mm-hmm. just shut down for a while. The VCR is off. The tape might be all wound around the wheels, but uh, as long as I don't put power on, it's not going to break anything. Yeah. Gosh. So I feel like we got to bring this back to the topic uh, in some way. So okay. in conclusion, <laughs> Amber Hagman deserves 50% of Stardew Valley. If she doesn't have it, it's fucking criminal. <laughs> uh, I'm not making Eric Barone a villain here. Yeah. Uh, they obviously are. Well, so here's here's the other wrinkle is they start dating when he's in college and she's finishing up high school. Oh, gross. So like, there is a there's I'm not saying there's a huge power imbalance, but there's 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 it's a possibility. It's another wrinkle in that that conversation. Was he like first year college or was he like in it? Uh, from what I understood from the story, yeah, yeah, first year, and she was last year of high school. Nah, like, that's it's not, not an age gap that anybody would that, balk yeah, that's at okay. normally. I mean, but then you bring up a situation where a person ends up taking on a support role for another person for five fucking years. Yeah, I want, I want you, I want you to have some money. I want you to have uh, a stake in this. I want you to get what you deserve, yeah. and what you deserve is half of the Stardew Valley yep. Empire and the Chocolatier Empire too, and the cho- and the haunted Chocolatier. Let's take a break. <laughs> Let's get into who's that Pokemon. Do you got one? Okay, the silhouette is like a fist with with like a little with a knuckle. Oh. standing up a little bit and then it moves around it's just like don't look my hand just like this okay is this a real pokemon or not this is not a, po- a pokemon no it's not a pokemon i will say it has something to do with the theme of the day ben okay it's a chicken on the farm <gasps> it is a chicken oh, yeah it is the chicken from the farm is it the blue one it's the blue chicken it's shane's well blue chicken done. good job Shane's Blue Chicken. Well done. I'm impressed. Hey, I finally got one. I think that might be the first one I've gotten. I'm super, super proud of you. That was great. I wasn't sure Thank you. if that was like... No, I think it was the jumping motion. That was very chicken jump. I, you know... As we both look like we're fisting some invisible person. <laughs> I was going to say, in my other life, I'm a puppeteer. We're both doing the... We're both grabbing the hand here, too. And you just... The chicken goes like that. Further illustrate where the hand goes. Uh, uh, that was great. I'm glad I got one for once. One quick factoid before we move on, and I think we'll we'll close out with talking about 
music and maybe haunted chocolatier, but mm-hmm. um, some stats from that that book um, by Jason Shire or Shear. And apologies if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, Blood, sweat, and pixels is in the first six months of Stardew Valley coming out. First six months, 2016, mm-hmm. 1.5 million copies were sold, wow. uh, earned over 21 million dollars. Wow. Uh, and apparently in that first six months, Eric Barone already had $12 million in his bank account at the age of 28 years old. Whoa. God, let's make a game. Yeah. Eh? I'm hoping Gosh. the other, the other 12 were in Amber's, uh, bank account or the other 10, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's a wonderful game. Absolutely deserves the success that it has. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It has been a part of my life since it came out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Wow, I can't even imagine. It's, it's 2022, came out in 2016, so it's been part of my life for like six years. I've been playing that game. That's amazing. Yep, totally. Yeah, at 28 years old. And so that was in the first six months. Uh, it's been ported to basically every other console that exists. Everything, yeah. Um, as we've talked about before, we've each bought it multiple times. So that number is probably through the roof at this point. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, but I want to talk about the music of Stardew Valley a little bit. Uh, it was something we didn't touch the first time we did this show. Uh, it is mm-hmm. beautiful. It is a daily soundtrack for me and has been for years. It is something that we just constantly listen to. And I'm trying to get to what the magic is. And I guess that we're, we're just going back. Apparently, this episode is also about blood, sweat, and pixels. Um, because they talk about how uh, Barone was actually in high school was a musician. He was in band and stuff like that and had expected to go into a career as a musician before going to college for computer engineering, software development or whatever. Um, Wow. And and I think it shows the compositions are beautiful. Um, Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's probably one of the strongest soundtracks of any game that I can think of. It's interesting to me in the fact that it is so replayable because video game music has a, Oh Yeah. A habit of becoming loopy very quickly, um, but there's enough to the mm-hmm. melodies that when they do loop, you almost don't notice, or it's just so relaxing that you don't care. I've never listened to anything that has has put me in such a chill place as the Stardew Valley soundtrack. And, and I think that's why so many folks would listen to it on their when you're not playing the game, and why you can buy records of the soundtrack because it is something you can put in the background and not get sick of it. It's wonderful. It's great. Yeah, I listen to it while watching kids. I listen to it driving. Uh, yeah, running. I'll listen to it. It's fantastic. I, I listen to it when I'm like cooking or baking or cleaning. I definitely, it sounds very domestic of me. But I, <laughs> it's like my Sunday music. Like when I'm getting ready for the week, I put it on because I need something to fill the emptiness. <laughs> <laughs> that or Sam Cook. That's our weekend music. Yeah. Sam Cook. Uh, I was going to say get a dog, but you've got one. <laughs> We have a dog. He also enjoys the music. I don't know. If you need to fill the emptiness, you just got to keep <laughs> keep trying something bigger and bigger until eventually yeah. you have a kid. <laughs> what I've heard, they fill that perfectly. Um, yeah. So what's your favorite of the soundtrack? Oh, it's hard to say. There's so many good songs, but I'm going to go with... Uh, I've got Summer Nature's Crescendo is one that I always like. I perk up yeah. and I am aware that I'm listening to that track. Oh, totally. Uh, and then uh, Winter, The Wind Can Be Still is just like such a perfectly winter track to me. Um, there's so little music that I've heard personally that ever really encapsulates the feeling of being cold to me. 
yes, that's a great point. And I think yeah. I think Barone does it with with these winter tracks specifically. The wind can be still, but uh, if you've never since we're on it, uh, check out. Uh, his name is Johan Johansson. Uh, he has passed away, unfortunately, but he was a, a movie and film composer that also just created some of the the most perfectly cold music I've ever heard. And I don't mean cold as in like like lacking warmth or empty distant. or distant. <laughs> yeah, but just like just you listen to that and you're like, this is exactly what it's like to be outside uh-huh. on a cold day and like minus thirty. Uh, in, in you know wherever you live and I'm just like for some reason that was beautiful to me in a way because I never hear I hear summer music all the time there's always music made for summer yeah but winter music yeah. aside from being Christmas songs there's not a whole lot of it to me that's a good point and uh yeah that's why that's one of my favorite favorite tracks how about you what's um it's a toss-up uh between of course just like the stardew valley overture like the the intro music that comes on when you start it up mm-hmm. like it's it, it's almost like pavlovian like i hear that music and my body like just calms right down because it's such a it's an iconic start it makes me feel like it's friday night and i get to just like zone out not have to worry about putting a timer on myself because as, as an adult you know, having to go to work or I had to go to bed soon and yeah, I got all these things I got to do. Friday nights were my one night to just like, I get to play video games as long as I want. And when it's really, really stressful at work, I play Stardew Valley. And so hearing that song immediately causes like, I feel like my whole blood pressure to just drop. Uh, I think mine just did listening to you talk about how it's <laughs> right? relaxing. Like, and I, like yeah. if you know Stardew Valley, you hear that song in your head as soon i swallowed a frog as soon <laughs> as as soon as somebody talks about it you can hear it and it is relaxing it is melting so calming it's it's a welcoming song but then i um my other favorite one is the the star drop saloon oh it's a good music i just think it's like i just think it's good it is good <laughs> it is very good um and yeah. it's wild too because Barone has released, Concerned Ape has released uh, five major updates for the game and has mm-hmm. done additional music for each one. Um, and That's they're, incredible. They're great. They're fantastic. Yeah. And this is all from somebody who, again, as per Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, is very often sick to fuck of working on this game and, like, just doesn't want to touch it anymore. Well, and he, it's also, it's not only is he working on it, writing the music, but he's also doing a lot of fan interaction or player interaction. Yeah. And the patience, I will say, from the surface level, it looks like this dude has a great deal of patience with some of the bullshit comments that people have made. The fact that he even responds to them, first of all, I think is incredible. Because mm-hmm. I would just be like, I ain't saying shit to that. But he responds to a lot of things and sometimes gives a very like rational, like this is the reason why or here's why I'm not going to do that. And if I can kind of like go on a bit of a tangent, one of my most anticipated games of the past few years is coming out pretty soon, Mineco's Night Market. Um, similar kind of situation. It's a, I, I think it's a like a husband and a wife or a girlfriend, boyfriend type team where I think the girlfriend, the wife, I, I apologize, I don't know everybody's names, did a lot of the art and then the spouse partner did the programming and actual like the gameplay stuff. And they talked about on their Twitter feeds how difficult it is to be a small, small independent team, two people who live together, who work together, 
working on a game that gets a shit ton of press and interest early on and the pressure that put on them to Mm -hmm. produce and then they get picked up by like Nintendo and they're going to have their game released on Switch and it's their first game and oh my gosh. And so they were really open about the mental health aspect of that and needing time to do the game right and being positive. And so I feel like I assume similar things happen with Eric Barone and his spouse about just the assholery of people sometimes, the pressure to be, to keep putting out more and more content for it to be quick, for it to be incredible. You never get a bad day. Free content. Yeah, and free content. Yeah. So it's just wild. It's, it seems very, very stressful. Yeah. And the, the relationship between, the fan and the creator is blurred by social media a great deal as well. Oh, yeah. uh, the desire for an immediate response from people when they criticize something, the the belief that you deserve a response at all, that the criticism can't stand on its own, that it re- requires a, a, a reply from the creator or the person that you is it's, it's very interesting. Um, God, I got to stop saying that. <laughs> Apparently my catchphrase is it's interesting. <laughs> Mine is like, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer that. I wish mine was like, um, I uh, think you should prefer that. It's interesting. Ooh. 19 times an episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and trying to see where concerned Dave Barone draws that line him, himself. Uh-huh. Uh, there's definitely stuff that I've seen on, on his Twitter account where I'm like, I would not have responded no. to that person. They do not deserve an answer. <laughs> oh. And you know, but he's, I guess you're doing it for your own sanity. You're trying to head yeah. off more people. Well, and, and people are human and we've all, we all know not to feed the trolls, but we all have done that at some point. But we've point. also been a troll by accident. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. all make those comments thinking that like we're being lighthearted and that the tone comes across or we're just curious yeah. and we don't mean to do harm, but like other people are terrible and do mean to do harm. It's Absolutely. When things get misconstrued, text is not an easy media to especially when it's uh, two sentences Mm -hmm. people can really misunderstand miscommunicate their intentions but in any case those are my favorite songs (laughs) (laughs) those are some great songs uh (laughs) that brings me wait actually i wanted to ask about if you'd ever seen indie game the movie uh no no it was a documentary yeah. from like years back yeah. about uh, the, the people making Super Meat Boy and Fez oh, yes. and uh, oh, one other one. I forget. Fez, I loved that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just sort of the struggles of, of creating independently. Oh, gosh. Um, again, another bit of media that focuses on the developers and not necessarily on the support networks or... Holistic, yeah. Yeah, that uh, are enabling those people to do these, chase these dreams, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it's very, very interesting in the, God, I did it again. I can't stop hearing it. Yeah. I love watching it for the aspect of, of sort of the process from start to finish and seeing the highs and lows and the emotions involved with that. Yeah. But it goes to the point. And so, you know, now, now Eric's working on another game. Good transition. <laughs> Haunted Chocolatier. Haunted. This is the song. He can, he can have it. Haunted Chocolatier. Huh, it's should be like it sounds a lot like your Stardew Valley. Well, then song. you know it's in the same family. It's in the same universe. It's in the same. Do you same, think it's in the same, the same universe? universe? Like you just hop on the train. It's two towns over no. from Pelican Town. I don't care for continuity. Oh, um, really? 
Yeah, because I I came up in comics. That's what I've been steeped in. And the continuity uh. has been nothing but a crutch or a cudgel, depending on which analogy I go with here, uh, for, for fandoms to have problems with things all the time. Oh, okay. That's fair. I gotcha. Um, like, do you really need 55, 60, 80 years straight continuity that all makes exact sense for your Spider-Man, for your, for your man jumping around in red and blue leotard, shooting bad guys with webs pew pew you you need you need 80 years of absolutely crystal clear continuity for that like it's a hindrance i think a lot of the time for storytelling uh and for just enjoying shit i just like the idea of shane being able to take the train to go get a chocolate and spend some time in the big city like i just well what's that Uh, there's a word for that and it's it's headcanon and that's a great place for that to exist and I don't, I'm not disparaging headcanon. I think it's great, fan fiction, headcanon, whatever. But like, does Eric Barone need to literally uh, put Shane on a train and let you choose him as a playable character to go to Haunted Chocolate Oh my no. God. Now I want to play oh. that. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I just feel like it's an unnecessary contrivance uh, that just would not actually add anything to a game except familiarity with a previous piece of art. Well, and it's coming back to that whole like the creator being feeling trapped by the characters and the world that they've created and the work yeah yeah feeling that you absolutely have to follow the canon or you can't be you can't force your way out of it if i i know i've talked about jenny leclue in the past but that's one of the i don't know kind of underlying themes of that game is that it's a writer is writing the story as you are playing it and it's a writer who it's in the series just like murder she wrote kind of like murder she wrote but the character is trying to change and he doesn't want her to change and there's this bash up between the fictional character and then the narrator and i I like that i think it's kind of cool yeah it's an interesting concept god i said interesting again let's we should have a counter is there somebody get me a fucking thesaurus apparently that's what i need a different word for interesting i say fascinating too that's a problem what's the third one okay fascinating interesting uh, just go with it it's that's your it. thing just that's do all there it. is there's no other words for those we need to come up with a new one <laughs> write in and let me know the words you think i should use instead of interesting or fascinating what should ben's catchphrase be <laughs> uh, when i find something to be of uh particular worth in interrogating intellectually holy fuck that's worse it's terrible um okay here's some (laughs) synonyms for you alluring amusing attractive not right alluring's too sexual no they're all kind of weird compelling curious delightful yeah this is the problem with language is that words can mean close to but not exactly what you're going for exotic provocative refreshing stimulating no. Exotic's not right at all. Stimulating is like the closest one so far, and even that's a little bit too erect. It is. <laughs> uh, what about like exceptional or magnetic? No, it's it's not quite getting the right idea. No. Gripping? Stirring? Engrossing? Enchanting? See, these all have an emotional context that I'm not looking They're, for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think interesting is the best word. Fascinating is sort of the like it takes it a little step further, but it's also in a sort of dissecting sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Oh well. If you've got other suggestions, uh, our email address is everyone. Is it everyone or everybody? Everyone. Everyone. Everybody. At, at, ooh, 
Try both of them. Everyone at dorkmatterspodcast.com or everybody at dorkmatterspodcast.com. One of them's got to work. You can't expect us to know our own fucking email address <laughs> after a year. <laughs> More than a year because we set up this shit before we started doing the podcast. Uh, it's good. Uh, yeah. Haunted Chocolatier is coming up. You excited? I'm so excited. Like, I think I might book the day off work. Oh, yeah. I think that's just fair. get like a thermos of coffee and just. Mm. Yeah, me too. I'm just going to tell the kids to take care of themselves. You know, that's a grandma day. Oh, God. Grandma. Grandma doesn't take both of them yet. Grandma's just oh, started taking fair. one occasionally. And, okay. and that's lovely and helpful. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you, grandma. Uh, but not both yet. Not that. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Maybe you just need some kid. Like a, as soon as I go to bed, hope for the best suck back some caffeine and just like go for it yeah the problem is i pay for that the next day trying to have like my mental faculties while dealing with them mm. it's a no win no win scenario uh okay how about this i got a plan for you i play the game i'll take a day off work i'll play it <laughs> then after i've played like a day i'll come over and watch your kids and then we won't talk i'll just be like hi and then like i'll hang out with buddies you go play the game and then yeah <laughs> This is pretty good. This isn't bad. This isn't yeah, I actually think it'd be fun if we could like Twitch it the first day. Yeah, that would be fun. Is that what they call it when they stream? Yeah, Twitch it. Twitch, getting twitchy with We're gonna it. We're going to Twitch it. Is that what the kids are up to these days? Getting twitchy na, na, with yeah, it? Yeah, they're getting yeah, jiggy. <laughs> They've all been getting jiggy. That's what I do when I want to, um, when the kids are being dorks. <laughs> here's, here's some great... How could they be dorkier than that? Behavior management. No, this is how you... you can, Okay, it doesn't sound right when I say this is how you control children, but this is how you annoy them. You, When they're teenagers, as an adult, just listen to the songs that they listen to and then sing it yeah. to them, and they will scatter like roaches in the sun. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many parents happy to have their children <laughs> referred to as roaches <laughs> scattering. Sometimes. I mean, it, when I can't get them to go to class, I'm just like, hey, youths, what about this? And then I'll sing to them, and they're like, oh, gross. And you start doing Meg, Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I said Megan the Stallion, so apparently I don't either. <laughs> Excited for Haunted yes. Chocolatier? Come I don't know on. if we need to get into it. We'll do an episode on Haunted yeah, Chocolatier someday. I mean, I have huge expectations. I, I do worry that it's... Um, I I've, I want Eric Barone to make a passion project and for it to be wonderful. I do have high expectations, though. I don't have expectations of anything ever. Except politicians, <laughs> maybe. And they're always let down. Like... <laughs> You have to release expectations or else you'll never enjoy anything ever or have healthy and fulfilling relationships. I just, I love Stardew so much that I want like, I, I want an experience yeah. of like incredible music, interesting characters. I do hope yeah. like there's more like little secrets that you have to muck about with. Yeah. I love the fact that it's a haunted, like, ooh, ghosts, like you got me. Chocolate and ghosts. I'm yours. Done. The interesting thing is at the end of the chapter on Stardew Valley from Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, Jason, the writer, asks, you know, if he's working on anything else yet. And Barone says that he's working on a game about catching bugs and hoped it would take two years. And that was in 2016. So apparently, oh. catching bugs has evolved into 
there's some bug stuff still involved obviously uh you drop that track yeah. from that that b battle which was just all fire gonna have another great soundtrack that's kind of yeah. cool um, yeah but you know stardew took five years and he thought it'd take six months so somebody do the math on that and uh, if if chocolatier was supposed to take two years and it's been six how much longer do we got I guess you just have to go, oh my God, if we actually do that math that way, then it has to be 20 some years. Yeah. If, if the exchange rate on, on time here is <laughs> six months became five years, and he says this new one will take two years, that's that's 24 months. But it's already, he's already, well, no, he hasn't given um, us a, a timeline, has he? He's just said it's coming out in the future. No, I'm just being silly. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited yeah. for it. We're going to play it. This has been a weird, long return to Stardew Valley, Stardork Valley. Uh, I guess this is as good place as any to call it. Yeah. It's a long one. Bye, Stardew. All right. Love you. Yeah, thanks for listening, <laughs> and until next time, dork, 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 dork. Dork, dork. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give us a rating, and tell your friends about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song, Dance, off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Begaini, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Métis Nation Region 3. For all of us here at Dork Matters, Dork, 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 Dork. dork.